Welcome to Fat Guy, Jack Guy. I'm Stafford Vino. I'm Brendan Walsh. Today we're talking about one of the most important genres of filmmaking. Christmas movies that hate capitalism. That's right, folks. <laughs> Before we get into the show, please consider becoming a Fat Guy, Jack Guy patron by going to patreon.com backslash fatguyjackguy. For as little as $3 a month or more, you could help us become full-time grifters so that we could get the best Christmas gifts for our families. Wow. Yeah. Thank you all so much. Enjoy the show. Fat guy. Jack guy. Two wacky goofballs talking about stuff. Fat guy. Jack guy. Two wacky goofballs talking about stuff. Two Brother, I don't know about you, but I love it when people challenge the ethos of this time of year by making fun of everything we do this time of year. Like we're about to do? Like we're about to do right now. Yeah, I like it too. It's a, it's <laughs> our tradition. That's, it is our tradition. It might be a more reasonable tradition than what Christmas actually I think is so. in this I think country. You might be right. I think you might be right. Yeah. And I really love that we have support outside of just the two of us. For sure. At least, if, I mean... That support might not be perfect, but at least we have it. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the cultural tradition of anti-capitalist uh, Christmas movies, there's a rich... There's a rich tradition a rich of challenging tradition consumerism at this time from. of year. I guess we have a little preamble to we get have into. We a preamble. Okay. So, for those of you that didn't know, our understanding of Christmas celebration as we do it in the United States is a combination of pagan traditions like the Scandinavian Yule and Roman Saturnalia, and of course, to some extent, the birth of Christ, although this did not happen in winter. <laughs> he was not born in the winter. Not born in the winter time. It probably happened in the spring at some point, according to historians. Pope Julius I was actually the guy who decided to make Christmas on December 25th yes. because they wanted to absorb the tradition of Saturnalia, which is this pagan celebration. Well, they believed that they would only be able to convert the pagans yeah. if they let them have their winter solstice celebration. Yeah, so this is like, hey, let's make <laughs> this our holiday at the same time as their <laughs> holiday so that we can have more people as Christians. Which is, you know, hey, pretty crafty, I guess. It's very crafty. That Julius the First, <laughs> what a guy. But it is weird to imagine him sitting there being like, yeah, he was born in the spring, but... Who gives a shit? Yeah. It's December 25th now. <laughs> Listen, I don't really believe any of this stuff. <laughs> That's the what Pope's saying. I don't really believe any of this stuff. Yeah, so. it's kind of ridiculous. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe he, I don't know. Anyway, the original Christmas celebrations were based on an inversion of the social order. Mm -hmm. If you look at the Middle Ages in Europe, they almost had a Halloween-y type of mischief, which I found really fascinating. This is a quote. On Christmas, believers attended church, then celebrated raucously in a drunken, carnival-like atmosphere similar to today's Mardi Gras. Each year, a beggar or student would be crowned the Lord of Misrule, <laughs> and eager celebrants played the part of his subjects. The poor would go to the houses of the rich and demand their best food and drink. We need to bring that back. That's so sick. <laughs> If owners failed to comply, their visitors would most likely terrorize them with mischief. Christmas became the time of year when the upper classes could repay their real or imagined debt mm. to society by entertaining less fortunate citizens. Bring it back. So we have, in the Middle Ages, very much a Christmas celebration yeah. that is not based on consumerism at all, but is actually based on like punishing poor yeah, and punishing rich, rich people. people. Yeah. And poor people are doing that punishing, <laughs> which is so interesting. We should bring it back. We should use Christmas as a time to beat up all the rich people yeah. we know. It's like the purge. <laughs> like that's what It's like the Christmas purge with was. no killing. Yeah. <laughs> so ridiculous. <laughs> they had a Lord of Misrule. Yeah. It really does just sound like Halloween. It is kind of. I guess the I guess the autumn solstice and the winter solstice they just had similar ideas of how to celebrate it anytime a solstice came around <laughs> like, i was like we, we gotta, gotta fuck we shit have to up. fuck shit up we gotta have tricksters and pranks this is and it. we need to 
give these rich people a little beating. And the rich guys just came out and they're like, all right, right, and they got the shit kicked out of them and it was fun. So how then did Christmas become so intertwined with capitalist consumption? In America, historians look at the 1840s as the beginning of the commercialization of Christmas. There was the merging of Dickens's wildly popular Christmas Carol, which came out in 1843, and Americans were obsessed with Dickens, obsessed with the Christmas Carol. They misunderstood that book. Yeah, they didn't get it. <laughs> they were like, yeah, I guess that evil rich guy was like, right. Yeah, let's do what he did. <laughs> and this was merged with uh, the German tradition of celebrating St. Nicholas's gifts. So you had a lot of German immigration at the time and they liked St. Nicholas and all that he represented and all the shit that he did, I guess. <laughs> And marketers in the Northeast, specifically like Boston, New York, Philadelphia, they saw this as an opportunity to sell people shit. Of course. What is really interesting is that without capitalism and marketing, the American idea of Christmas as we know it would not exist. Mm -hmm. There'd be no Santa Claus, which was an effort by like Coca-Cola essentially in the (laughs) 1930s, and no tree with a bunch of gifts under it. This was not at all the Christmas tradition until this time period. And now it's spread around the world. Yeah, everybody celebrates Christmas in this way. (laughs) There was a second period of capitalist Christmas that historians cite as instrumental to our understanding of the season. I have a quote from an article called, Is Christmas Too Commercial? Where that's the reason it became popular. (laughs) By Arthur Takahashi. This is the quote. We get the first mass advertising in the 1920s and 30s with professionals who are using some of the new psychological theories about advertising Mm. to drive these very sophisticated campaigns. They were marketing a Christmas experience in which your children will love you and your family will be happy together. All you need to do is buy their stuff. Damn, that's fucked. So I think it speaks to a larger (laughs) dissatisfaction with consumption and capitalism that we continue to pursue Christmas content that fights the very notions of what makes Christmas popular and what made it popular to begin with in this country. Christmas in America has pretty much always been about buying and selling, not hanging out with your family and being charitable to others, as many people would have you believe that's what it was about. (laughs) Which is why it's interesting that we grasp for meaning during the season of consumption, because we aren't particularly fulfilled by it. It has the trappings of tradition, Indeed, it is a tradition, but that tradition somehow feels hollow, especially when you're just buying shit compulsively. Yeah. So it is with this notion that we are going to talk about some anti-capitalist Christmas films. Yeah. Or at least Christmas movies that go against the grain. Sure. I think we can always uh, apply an anti-capitalist lens to these. Yeah. Even if it wasn't intended at all. Also, yeah. Also, I think a lot of holiday films around this time definitely have that feeling of like the most important thing is getting together with your family or if you're going to go like the rom-com route, it's the most important thing is celebrating the love that you have with another person. Mm -hmm. There are those messages in these Christmas movies. It's not like all gift giving and crap all the time, but I think the ones that we picked out have a particular you need to be with the people that you love type of message. Yeah. And it's saying forego all that other shit, forego the gift giving, forego the trying to like celebrate the ability to buy gifts because that's kind of what you're doing in the first place. You're kind of just celebrating the ability that you have to buy and provide gifts. So yeah, I think these ones definitely have like that more of a hardcore attack on that idea than, you know, the ones that are just like, Be with your friends and family and have a good time. Yeah, because I think there's also the understanding that being with your friends and family just means buying more gifts for more people. Yes. Right? Like, Which is terrifying. Yeah, like I haven't always read into it that way, but I think that's also the message. Yes. I don't think anyone was saying be with your friends and family and don't get any gifts. No, yeah, no, no. I don't think anything's saying that Just like more love means more gifts, I think, ultimately. (laughs) So it's dope that we have certain films... Including, I don't know, it might be, I think it's our favorite Christmas film that we'll talk about. Yeah. Jingle All the Way, I think, yes. is like the I think that's, perfect, our, that's our brotherhood film. That is the best <laughs> anti-capitalist Christmas movie. And so underrated. It's very underrated. Yeah. Yes. And I, I don't think people really get it, but we'll get into that in a second. Oh, man. I think we have to start with the two OGs, right? For sure. Like the ones that were the originals, the ones that were saying fuck all this and we'll start with Dickens I guess because he's the guy he's the guy he's the guy that people misunderstood and they 
and they made now this holiday where it's the opposite of what Dickens was saying, which is yeah. really funny when you think about yeah, it. Yeah, Dickens wasn't like, go go and start marketing to people using my ideas about what Christmas is. Yeah. He was like, rich people are bad. Yeah, he's like, the rich guy's a big <laughs> ass. Guy sucks. Don't hoard your wealth. So here we're going to talk about a Christmas carol real quick. Here's the one sentence IMDb synopsis for a Christmas Carol. And this is any of the Christmas Carols? Yeah, because they're all the same. They're all the same. They're all the same. Every and then of course we get the comedy Scrooged, which I with recently Bill Murray, watched, which is the same. It's yes. all the same. Honestly, Scrooge is just a vehicle for Bill Murray to like be Bill Murray. Yes. Yeah, that's it. But with some more modern. Yes. yes. Yeah, definitely. So IMDb one sentence synopsis. A bitter old miser who rationalizes his uncaring nature learns real compassion when three spirits visit him on Christmas Eve. Ain't that the truth. And it's set in London, so immediately you know everything's going to be miserable. Absolutely. About this experience. Terrible <laughs> place. That's a terrible place to be. <laughs> I think I think A Christmas Carol is kind of answering the question, what if rich people were actually redeemable? Which, I don't know how I feel about that. As being the main message well, of the thing. I guess he's redeemable insofar as he gives away his shit, right? Right. Because in that case, like, he is redeemable, I think. Yeah. But then he also starts, at, you know, at the end, after he's been visited by the ghost of Christmas past. Yeah. The ghost of Christmas present. Uh-huh. And then the ghost of Christmas's... Future. Future. But it's Christmas is something. Uh-huh. It's specific. But... Yeah. After he's visited by the three of them and he and the ghost of Christmas future shows him that when he dies, nobody attends his funeral except for the people who want a free lunch, which I think is kind of funny, actually. He becomes like so much sweeter to Tiny Tim Mm -hmm. also. So it's not just like he is giving away his wealth. He's also becoming a better person because now he has become like a grandfather figure to Tiny Tim. Mm -hmm. Poor Tiny Tim. Well, for Tynington, yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. It's like, <laughs> it's trying to redeem him both in the sense of he's redistributing his wealth, but also he's become a better person. Yeah. You don't buy you don't I don't buy, buy that. You don't buy that he can become a better person? <laughs> no, I do. I do. I do. I do think that human beings are redeemable. But I don't think after one night mm-hmm. of having some really manic dreams. Well, you got to gonna... think about the, the time-bending nature of these dreams, you know? Like, I don't know. He really traveled like years ghost, and years. Like if the ghost of Christmas Future went to Jeff Bezos and showed him that the only people that were going to attend his funeral were people who wanted a free lunch, do you think he'd wake up and redistribute his wealth the next day? Nope. <laughs> Unless it was a really sick dream. I mean, this goes to something that I joke about. I'm sure this is joked about by everybody. Um, one of my friends who did ayahuasca recently, mm-hmm. you know, this is like a very... Popular thing among white people who are going through a crisis of some sort, including like a lot of rich tech people, they'll go on this ayahuasca trip, which is supposed to like fundamentally change their understanding. (laughs) And then they'll be like, I had the biggest breakthrough. I know how to like create an app that will customize every grocery purchase and you'll get like 10% (laughs) on your credit card. And it's like, that is your breakthrough? Because, like, that would be the Jeff Bezos breakthrough. Oh, totally. It was like, oh, I exactly. found a way to, like, increase shipping. Uh, exactly. Man, it's like, no, that should not be your breakthrough. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yes. I think not a lot of... Okay, so what is special about A Christmas Carol, I guess, and if you were looking at it from just, like, a literary lens, is that not a lot of Dickens's literature is optimistic. Mm-hmm. And A Christmas Carol is very optimistic. This idea that you could see into the future and you can see how shitty you are and how shitty people think you are and then you change as a result of that is really like a weird departure for Dickens and the other work that he's done. Mm -hmm. So I think that that makes it kind of special. Does it make it anti-capitalist though? I don't know. I'm on the fence about it. Yeah. So I think that there was like this period and the period continues. Obviously we're living in that period of the ideological capitalist, the idea that capitalism is the best method to change the world, like uh, Keynes, right? Right. This Keynesian idea that, um, hey, look, this is the only thing that works and like this will benefit the most people. 
And I think that's probably the lens that it was. It's like, hey, Scrooge isn't bad because he's a capitalist. <laughs> he's bad because he hoards too much. Like, right. he could still be wealthy, but he could give a little bit away. Right. Right? That's the idea that this is probably coming from. But I don't think you have to read too far into it to see, like, <laughs> you know, fucking Bob Cratchit and... <laughs> Like, his life sucks balls, and he his has to work sucks. all yeah, the time. His life did suck. And I, I'll give it to Scrooge. He did give him a pay raise also. That's true. So that's nice. You better fucking so unionize that workforce, Bob Cratchit. <laughs> Cratchit can afford a turkey now. Yeah. Which is nice. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, back in the day, that was probably a big deal. <laughs> probably a really big deal. I do think, again, yeah, I don't know if it's anti-capitalist, but I think it's more in... It's getting to more of that than, say, It's a Wonderful Life, which mm-hmm. is, like, the other... You know, yeah. classic Christmas movie that we kind of point to as being like, cherish your friends and family. Mm-hmm. So I think it is trying to pull us in that direction more. Do you want to talk about Scrooged a little bit? Because Scrooged yeah. is the modern. Go ahead, brother. Well, I watched Scrooge recently and I was on a pretty good streak of making Karimi watch movies that I was going to talk <laughs> about on this show and have her like them. Scrooge broke the streak. She, she didn't fucking like it? hated it. Oh shit! Yeah, she was really it hated it. Was too old? Yeah, I think it's because it was too old. <laughs> uh, yeah, she was just she just didn't like any of it. What did she not like about it? Uh, her complaints were uh, many, and I don't remember all okay. of them. I've been sick for a while, so yeah. I, you know my brain isn't working. But essentially, it didn't really hit home. Okay. For her. Okay. I, however, uh, kind of enjoyed it. Yeah. It's goofy. It's it's pretty funny. I think that there are many interesting critiques of a certain kind of American capitalism that was like big in the '80s. The like media companies that manipulate people's emotions yeah. by creating panic among the people, like the right. advertisement for yeah. the Christmas Carol that they were going to do live. <laughs> like explosions and like the woman who died when she saw the commercial and he's like this is amazing let's like advertise this that is a really funny critique i think that bill murray's monologue at the end like Mm. you know just kind of like a rambling you know funny interesting bill murray monologue i wouldn't be surprised if he just ad-libbed that entire thing he probably did yeah is it a great christmas movie uh it's like middling yeah 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 it was fun I would, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I feel that Scrooge, like, keeps the... I think Scrooge kind of resigns itself in a way that the original Christmas Carol doesn't. Mm -hmm. Scrooge kind of resigns itself to, like, okay, this is just how it is, and we're just going to have to deal with it for the rest of forever. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of bleak for a comedy Yeah. to just resign itself to that message. So you're saying, like, there's no ultimate, like, underlying critique of the system. It's more just the redemption of this one character. I feel like that about Scrooge, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that about A Christmas Carol a little bit, too. But I feel like it's more so in Scrooge. A Muppet Christmas Carol. uh, (laughs) Now that's a movie I can get behind. That's the best movie. (laughs) So goddamn good. It is really good. Yeah. It is really good. And actually, I would argue that A Muppet Christmas Carol is a little bit more optimistic than the rest of them. Yeah, because it's the Muppets. Yeah. That's well, pretty fun. Yeah, you, you know, you have a good feeling at the end. But yeah, I would argue that their their ending is a little bit more like the entire system has the ability to change, mm-hmm. which, you know. It does. It does. And we just pretend like it doesn't. Mm-hmm. So I like the, the idea that there are some Christmas carols, versions of Christmas, car- a Christmas Carol that are challenging that. But yeah, I feel like Scrooge is just resigning itself. And you know what's interesting about that when you think of the way in which Christmas has become commercial post-Dickens, mm-hmm. he was not making a comment on any Christmas thing. No. He was making a comment about the system itself. Right. Which we cannot read A Christmas Carol as like, oh, Christmas is too commercial. and Like, no, that commercialization did not exist before yeah. Dickens. Right. So he's commenting on like all of the labor issues of like London at the right. time and England at the time and the industrialized world at the time. Yeah, he just knew that people are dummies. So he was like, I'm going to put it around this particular holiday. So it makes a little bit more sense to them. Yeah. Which, great. That was a great vehicle. And then everybody misinterpreted it. Mm-hmm. So, and we continue to. Dope. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't we t- get into It's a Wonderful Life? Which was based on A Christmas Carol. It's just a little different. Mm -hmm. The IMDb one-sentence synopsis of It's a Wonderful Life is, 
An angel is sent from heaven to help a desperately frustrated businessman by showing him what life would have been like if he had never existed. So for me, It's a Wonderful Life is kind of a Christmas carol, but there's no ghosts and the main character doesn't actually have a will to live in the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) And instead it has angels and a main character who just wants to kill himself. Yeah, it's pretty heavy. It is. Especially when you think about the time period in which it was made. I don't yeah, think 1946. Talking about, probably weren't talking about suicide that much. No, back they then. definitely weren't. And if they were, I don't think it was in any like mainstream capacity. They should have called it a Christmas suicide. <laughs> Instead of it's a wonderful life. I hate that you can't laugh because you're gonna <laughs> go into a coughing attack because I just feel like I'm by myself. Yeah. No, you're but not alone, brother. It's very funny. So yeah, do you want to talk a little bit about It's a Wonderful Life? So I'm going to be honest, I'm not very familiar with It's a Wonderful Life, you know. Have you seen it a couple of times or just once? Not a couple of times. Just once? Yes. At some point in my life, it's not something that has resonated with me a lot. So I looked back and did like some research on it. And what I found was incredibly interesting because it seems as though this character, Mr. Potter, who is essentially... And yes. he owns, like, half of the town. The evilest dude in yeah. the world. Like, just a pure, calculated, capitalist Terrible. consumption machine. He seems to have paved the way for all of the hysteria and paranoia associated with corporations owning everything. Right? Or yeah. that fed into that fear Absolutely. of that time and has persisted. I mean, it was a really big topic in the 80s. I think we kind of lost track of that in the 90s. We're back <laughs> to being worried about that again. Yeah. When, you know, Amazon is about to buy every streaming service. Yeah, also. like these are actual fears of monopoly that have existed for a while and we just forgot about them. Mr. Potter in the like the sort of fu- the Christmas future. The vision, Christmas without right? George. Yeah, the yeah. Christmas without George. Yeah, he um, he owns the entire town and it's called yeah. Potter's. And he renamed it. Yeah. Rather than the original town's name. That vision alone makes this an anti-capitalist Christmas movie. Because <laughs> it's like, look, if you leave this kind of person to make all the decisions, they will do what is only profitable for them because that's the function of the system. Absolutely. There is definitely a hope and a trust in the spirit of collaboration that exists in It's a Wonderful Life. Because the whole reason why Mr. Potter has not been allowed to just like run amok on the town is because of this board that basically stops him from doing that. And I think that that idea of having like a group of people, essentially a community of people who are saying, no, fuck you, you can't do this shit, is we're not not having those conversations anymore. We don't, those those conversations don't really show up in our filmmaking about this time of year at all. But yeah, that was the whole thing is that this group of people were saying, no, Henry, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. And so he didn't right but he was still an awful evil banker anyways and what happens in the film is that essentially mr potter is the reason why george wants to kill himself because he steals george's money Mm -hmm. from george's business and then because george owns like a a loan business it's like all wrapped up legally (laughs) with like the law enforcement of the town and so losing that money looks like george stole it yeah. And so that's why he's like at the end of his rope there. Yeah. And the angel comes to visit him and is like, wait, no. Look at what would happen if you were dead. You are the one thing standing in the way of Henry Potter, like taking over everything. I think George, we can't say that George is like an anti-capitalist. You can't say that. I think he's a perfect representation of workers that are just like trapped in this capitalist hellhole system. And just the powerlessness people often feel when something goes wrong or when they can't figure out a way out of the system itself, right? Or they can't figure out how to, like, get to the place of a Henry Potter where they can manipulate the system. I think Mr. Potter, like, stealing the money, because George is pretty dissatisfied with his life, generally. He gives a lot to people, so he, like, gave to his brother Harry, he... Gave to his brother Harry by, like, saving his brother Harry from drowning. And then he went deaf in one year, which made him not eligible to, like, serve in World War II. And Harry 
goes to college because George has to stay home and run this business. And it's all this stuff. Like, he gives and gives and gives, and he's very dissatisfied. And then Mr. Potter stealing the money is the end of the rope. Like, he's done. Yeah, he wants to kill himself. I'm gone now. Like, this this is it. I can't go to jail. Yeah. I have to kill myself. <laughs> I mean, which just kind of shows you that, you know, this system will make you want to kill yourself. I mean, yes, which is great. pushed to a certain, like, point. Yeah. Which a lot of people are pushed to that point. They are, and they do. And this yeah. happens all the time. Of course. And so that that part I do like. I like that they're showcasing that. I think, you know, obviously at the end, it's wrapped up very neatly where he realizes that it's the love in his life that matters the most. And that's like what truly will make you happy. And there's that quote that's like the richest, something about rich, a rich man has like all the love he needs through friends and family or something like that. I can't remember yeah, the some exact shit quote. like that. Yeah. yeah. Some like thing that ties it really neatly in a bow, but similar to a Christmas Carol, I think, I don't know if I would specifically label this anti character. I would definitely say it's, moving in that direction but there's just at the end mr potter is never held accountable mm-hmm. which is He's realistic like, ultimately it is realistic yeah it's totally realistic but i would have loved to see mr potter like they hang him at the yeah, end be sick. <laughs> they burn down his house they burn down his house and his bank they execute his yeah, family be, <laughs> i don't think mr potter even nah, had a family too miserable to have that a family. was the whole thing oh and that's another like recurring thing is that these really miserable men like yeah. don't even have any anybody who purportedly like love mm-hmm. them, you know. Which I don't think is fair because if you look at billionaires, they have they lots, have lots of, of families. People. Yeah, who who maybe don't love them for real, but they no. have people around them who yeah. are pretending to love them of and course. like prop them up. Yeah, so I think that that is like a a need to dehumanize these evil figures to be like, oh well, they don't have family, so that's why yeah. they behave this way. They're not loved by other people, and that's it's like no, I think that. They are getting a lot of love, but that love doesn't matter if you have all of this power and can dictate the lives of other people so much. Absolutely. And I think it also helps us be like, well, if there was, (laughs) if we did lose that character or if that character was like shamed or hung (laughs) or like whatever or hanged, whatever, we wouldn't feel bad about it. We're not supposed to feel bad about it. Mm -hmm. Right. And I have to say, I think with Scrooge, I would feel worse if he was like hanged at the oh, end. Oh, I don't think Scrooge should be. Ha- I think Scrooge, Scrooge is, is re- Scrooge is redeemable. <laughs> Scrooge is redeemable. Mr. Potter, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mr. Potter seems like one of those people you just got to put him up against the wall and be done with it. He did too much. He was evil, and he was mad that people weren't as evil as he was. Mm-hmm. That is the part that gets me. Is that he? Has in the movie, he's just like this constant antagonist of just not just George, but also the rest of the town. And that is like, Mr. Potter, no. The man is trash. We need to end him. Yeah. <laughs> so, sure, those are the two oldies. Let's get to, let's get to uh, some of the newies. Let's get to the newies. <laughs> and they're not even new when you think about it. They're all old. All these they're films not. are old. Somebody needs to be brave and make a new anti-capitalist Christmas movie. Yeah. I'm sure they're out there, but nothing stands up to this next one that we're going to talk about. Jingle all the way, folks. It's Jingle all the way. You had to know it was coming. It's the best. If you knew us. Such a great film. Let me give the IMDb one sentence synopsis. A father vows to get his son a Turbo Man action figure for Christmas. However, every store is sold out and he must travel all over town and compete with everybody else in order to find one. Who fucking wrote this? I don't know. The People best part IMDb. is that it like posits that we know what Turbo Man is. Like, if I had never yes. seen this film, yes, I'd be like, well, what is Turbo Man? <laughs> I guess if it's if it says Turbo Man action figure, so I guess we're supposed to yeah. use our our powers of inference and and guess what it could possibly be. Sure, you're right, brother. You're right. <laughs> this this synopsis was not written for the dummies. No, <laughs> this is. Just like Jingle All the Way was not written for dummies. I mean, that's true. I actually agree with that. Although a lot of dummies saw it and didn't understand what it they was do about. Not, and they also think it sucks, which is very sad to me. It's really not okay. Do you want to give a, a little introduction to Jingle All the Way? So Jingle All the Way stars Arnold Schwarzenegger and Phil Hartman in... And Sinbad. And Sinbad. Do not forget Sinbad. 
And Arnold Schwarzenegger is your classic dad who works too much, isn't really there for his son when he's supposed to be there for his son. He misses his karate competition. He misses his karate competition, which honestly the kid fucking sucks at karate. <laughs> who cares? So he decides to fulfill his fatherly duties and um, get the toy that he forgot to get. Yes. The Turbo Man doll, which is the hot toy of the season, which... If you're around in the, you know, the 90s at all, this was a recurring theme. Yeah, it was like Furby and Tickle Me Elmo and yep. all that shit. Yep, all that shit. And this was like supposed to be the corollary of those things. And so he goes on this wacky quest <laughs> to get the Turbo Man really doll. Really a hero's journey. It's such a hero's journey going through all sorts of obstacles. There are fights. He He is in this sort of feud, sort of partnership with Sinbad who plays... A mailman. Disgruntled mailman. Disgruntled mailman of a lower social class than Arnold. Much lower, yes. And they end up feuding a lot. There's a big crescendo at the end (laughs) where Arnold dresses up as Turbo Man for the Christmas parade (laughs) of Minneapolis. Minneapolis is a famous Christmas parade. Yeah. And they get into into the showdown at the end. And guess what? At the end, Arnold Schwarzenegger's son says, hey, I don't need Turbo Man. Because I got the real one right here. Honestly, it's fucked up that he said that. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's not fucked up. He gives the toy to Sinbad. He does? Okay, yes. I'll give him that. He, he gives says, the give this to, to your fucking son. And Sinbad's kid will be very happy. Yeah. Yeah. And we know I that appreciate. kid is... That kid is going through a lot more than Arnold Schwarzenegger's yeah. kid. Definitely. I mean, I you appreciate know? the ending. I just think, you know, if, if I said that to my dad, he would beat my ass probably. Yeah. Like, I just like, fucking almost died. <laughs> There was a bomb. I had to fight. Which there is a bomb in the, the movie. Big <laughs> oh, the Big yeah, Show. The Big Show is also in this movie. Show, yeah. yeah. So this movie is an amazing critique of consumption. Absolutely. And it's a critique of how... And our insanity just around yes. consumption. Our need for consumption leads us to fight with other people who are in our same boat, essentially. Right. And it blurs the class lines because Arnold is coming from a much more mm-hmm. upper class community. Sinbad is coming from a lower class community. But you see that in order to fulfill this weird commodity fetishism that we are a part of, we have to fight each other and potentially kill each other. Yes. They get in some really dangerous situations. Yeah, there's like a jetpack involved at one point. Yeah. Yeah, it's very dangerous. I also think that this movie is commenting on the way that we market directly to children. Oh, it's so fucked and up. And how we basically poison their brains with the idea that like these products are everything that they need to be cool and interesting in mm-hmm. the world. That he's not that Arnold's son is not just interesting and cool because he does karate. Mm-hmm. As he says it. <laughs> but also because because he has a Turbo Man doll and he's interested in Turbo Man. Even mm-hmm. though the kid clearly has skills outside of watching television. Yeah. And just like owning the things that are on the TV. Yeah. And so I think we're supposed to tap into that idea too that we just destroy children. We do. <laughs> with this shit. And he, at the end, is kind of, he kind of overcomes that, which I guess like I do appreciate that part of it. Like the kid also overcomes this idea that I have to have the thing. Right? And that's nice. That's nice. But I wonder if it next, you know, the next right, Christmas, the kid is next, like right. the next He's going to keep watching TV and yeah. then the next thing is going to be whatever he wants. And Arnold next Schwarzenegger is going to have to do that again. I, I really hope he remembers to get the toy that time. Yeah. Seriously. If, I think there is a jingle all the way too. No. But it's not we didn't have Arnold. Arnold. Yeah. yeah. I think it's like a different dad. Ah, well, and I never watched it. Yeah. I, I don't care about it. But I do think, yes, Jingle All the Way is probably like the most obviously anti-consumerist, anti-capitalist. Mm-hmm. There's no metaphor here. Like there's nothing. No, it's not It's hidden. not saying that it's cool. Mm-hmm. It's literally showing you people going fucking bonkers to get a doll for their children. Yeah. And it like plays on some of the hysteria around the things we were mentioning before, like Tickle Me Elmo, where like. People were rushing into stores and beating, and beating the shit each, out of each yeah, other. Yeah, beating each other up and, and there hurting was people. Video of it that was put on the news, and everyone was watching it like, "Wow, look at these idiots!" But like, how many of those people were also part of right. the same hysteria, right. or, or just bought their toys earlier? Yeah, they, but bought they were their still. Toys but earlier. at the end of the day, like, I, I think I like that part about it, and Phil Hartman's character kind of like exemplifies yeah. this. Best character. I mean, he really is. <laughs> I think. The part that I like the most about it is it's, it doesn't say anybody is innocent in the situation. Like, Phil Hartman's character bought his toy weeks ago, sure, but he still gave in to his shitty kid. 
Oh, his kid is the worst. Yeah, his kid is the worst. Phil Hartman's character is the worst. Yes. But also the funniest. Yeah. And he everybody's uh, wife in the neighborhood <laughs> wants to fuck him, except for Schwarzenegger's wife. Right. And that's the problem, because he wants to fuck her. He wants to fuck her, yeah. And this is a kid's movie, but these are, you know... Uh, this was a kid's movie that was made with adults in It mind. really was. This one was for the family outing, yeah, you know? Yeah, it's barely a kid's movie. I would, I honestly would agree. I don't really think it's for kids. Maybe teenagers. I think when I watched it as a kid, I was probably in the same mindset as the kid in the movie who just wanted Absolutely fucking toys. Same. Yeah, totally same. I just saw toys on TV yeah, and, and was I like, just, I need that. And the big muscle guy and Sinbad were funny. Yeah. And I was like, that's awesome. Yeah, because they are doing some a lot of physical comedy. Yes. And, you know, Arnold is a pretty good comic actor in this movie. He actually is. He's got great timing in this put movie. Put the cookie down. Is, <laughs> put the cookie down. <laughs> so great because Phil Hartman is eating a cookie and talking about it as though he's going to fuck Arnold's yeah. wife. Yes. It's so good. Yeah, the whole idea. It's not so, but we're not supposed to get that they're talking about cookies there. Yeah. No, they're talking they're about... They're talking about doing the sex. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> if you haven't seen Jingle All the Way, like, this is... I gotta say, this is my favorite Christmas movie. Yeah, that's probably my favorite Christmas movie. Of, like, just in general. It's great. Yeah. It's hilarious, but it is making a comment, and you can do both. Yes, you can do both. You can have fun and also say, like, this shit sucks. It's, uh, would you we call need it to bring- satire? I would call it satire because it's not it's actually directly going after the thing it's not like putting a stand in you know what I'm saying yeah it's directly going after this type of like consumerism that happens at Christmas time and it's not like there's no allegory or like metaphor involved it's just kind of saying this this is a thing that happens and it fucking sucks mm-hmm. so I wouldn't call it satire all right but maybe some of our listeners might challenge me on that. I don't yeah, know. I don't know. It's, I have very strict. I'm very strict. No, I know. About I know satire. you have your satire rules, which yeah, is very, why very I sh- asked. Yeah, you I'm know, very, I very strict about it. Yeah. I think, I do think though, it is much more of a political comedy than people want it to be. Yeah, which it was not well reviewed at the time. I think it's having same for kind of a comeback. Yeah, same for the Flintstones. The fact that it wasn't well reviewed at the time makes me question. Like, why they didn't like it. Right. Besides the fact that it was just, like, really goofy. Yeah. And they just didn't want to see a goof movie. That's potentially it. Also, I think it falls into the realm of these movies that were... I mean, it doesn't fall into the realm in terms of, like, the filmmaking quality, per se. But what I'm saying is it falls into the realm of movies that were poorly reviewed that are saying something. And people really didn't want to engage with that thing they're saying. Like, Starship Troopers. I mentioned the Flintstones already. Showgirls. These are movies where, like, people did not want to, like, fully engage with the messages of the film. And then, so they found other ways to criticize it. Like, yeah, Jingle All the Way is too goofy. Arnold Schwarzenegger, bad actor. Sinbad, he wasn't at the top of his game. You know, like, there's all these things that they say instead of directly engaging with the truth of what they were trying to say. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So True. I think that that's what happened. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay, so in a similar vein, we also have Christmas Vacation on our list. I'm going to give the IMDb one sentence synopsis of Christmas Vacation. Obviously, this is in the family of the National Lampoon's Vacation movies. There are several. So it's about the Griswold family. And IMDb says, the Griswold, family, the Griswold family's plans for a big family Christmas predictably turn into a big disaster. Wow. Which is basically like the synopsis of all the movies, just putting them in different places. Like one, they're going to an amusement park. One, they're going to Vegas. Yep. This one is just Christmas. They always fuck it up. And I love that it's also in the category of dads ruin everything genre of filmmaking, which Jingle All the Way, I would also put in that category. Yeah, like d- dads trying to do good things. And though. then they fuck up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I, they also fall victim to their own, you know, desires and needs and things like that, you know? They do, yeah. In this case, Clark's desire is to have the best Christmas ever. Can't want that. You can't want that. There is so much that happens in Christmas Vacation that I don't want to do an entire synopsis because it just, there's so, there truly is so much that happens in there. There's a SWAT team at some point. It's like a lot and there's a lot of ancillary characters who come in and out of the film and it's you know they're extended family members and things like that 
what I'll just say is the the basic thing about the movie, the basic thing that's going on is that Clark is trying to organize himself and his family and his home to be like the in the highest Christmas spirits possible. Mm-hmm. And he just fails at everything. Everything that he tries to do is uh, just an abject failure. He can't get the lights right. They, he blows out the power in the entire neighborhood. The tree he buys, at like a you know, the, the tree he gets is just like way too huge for the house. So he ends up throwing out a few windows and destroying things in the house. The Christmas dinner goes horribly wrong. The cat gets electrocuted. There's like all these things that happen. And what I love the most about Christmas Vacation is that it just shows us what a complete farce the way that we treat this time of year has turned into. Mm -hmm. That we have to get everything right, that we have to make sure that everything is perfectly orchestrated and that we have our proper decorations and we have the perfect meal and our families are getting along. Like all of these things have to happen to make Christmas happen. And it just shows how much pressure people are under to do that. And then how, of course, they're never going to succeed. And it's not just because it's Clark Griswold. Like, yeah, he sucks at everything. And Mm -hmm. and we see that through all of the films, all the vacation films, but like just people in general can't live up to this expectation. And I love that about Christmas vacation. Yeah, it's really unfair when you think of how much the holidays causes people anxiety and depression. Yeah. Which seems so antithetical to what it's supposed to be about. And this is the worst time of year for people's mental health. Absolutely. Because they feel like they have to live up to some societal expectation that we have. Not just in terms of buying gifts, but also in terms of like seeing family. Mm -hmm. And having a really amazing day yeah like demonstrating joy that may or may not actually exist and demonstrating cheer that does not exist yeah really really fucking unfair it sucks and that's what's so good about christmas vacation is it shows that this shit is not real yeah keeping up with the joneses for christmas is not a worthy pursuit Mm -hmm. because you will hurt yourself (laughs) which he does multiple times and the people that you love in doing it. And that there might also be some class anxiety Absolutely. embedded into this film as totally. well. When you think about because this need to do it. Because they're very middle class. Yeah. This need to keep up with the Joneses is all about class anxiety. Mm-hmm. And demonstrating that you are the best at Christmas is to demonstrate that you are higher class than you actually are. Right. So like him in his middle class neighborhood having like the best light display. Mm-hmm. Gives him an opportunity to show his neighbors that he's in a better financial position than they all are. Mm-hmm. And then what we learn in the film is that actually he's not. He spent money that he should not have spent, not just on Christmas stuff, but on he put down like a down payment for a pool mm-hmm. the following summer or whatever. Yeah. But he spent money he should not have spent, so he literally cannot keep up with the Joneses. That's why this Christmas has to be so special. Yeah. Because after this, it's nothing. Mm-hmm. And like that, I think, obviously, like, you can directly connect that back to like an anti-consumerist message because it's certainly showing how like fucked up it is that we feel like we have to do this thing. Yeah, especially for people who supposedly should love you yes. regardless of your situation. Yeah, they shouldn't give a shit. Yeah. Yeah. But you have to do this for your family because you've led yourself to believe, your society has led you to believe that you are a failure if you can't. Right. Clark is definitely just a failure in general. Yeah. Which I think is why Christmas is a ripe opportunity for him to prove that he's not. Mm-hmm. Or like his family thinks it. he's not a failure. He's not a failure in my eyes. I'm just saying like he's a failure in terms of what is expected of American men at that time. For sure. You know? Yeah. I remember my, we won't do this anymore because my parents moved away from Connecticut, <laughs> but a tradition in my family was always to drive to the really fancy part of town and look at all of the light displays that oh, they yeah. had. Oh, yeah, we used to do that, too. And the, like, ostentatious displays of, like, mm-hmm. Christmas lights were just an extension of, like, you know, let me show you my class. Right, Let totally. me show you how wealthy I am, how wealthy we are to, like, not just put these lights up, to hire people to put up these crazy light displays that we can run all the time. Yeah. Blowing that electricity bill. bill yeah. like. All of that shit, Mm -hmm. it has nothing to do with Christmas. No. 
You're doing it so that people who aren't in your neighborhood can drive over to your neighborhood <laughs> to look at your lights. So that the poor people can come and look at your lights. Yeah. That's all right. Or not, not, you know, it doesn't even have to be it's just people who are not that rich. <laughs> who aren't like as Yeah, but rich I like them you. imagining everybody below them as poor. Yeah, yeah. Because that's what they yeah. think. Yeah. So I like them imagining that. But yeah, it's a comedy, so it's obviously very funny. In the same way that Jingle All the Way is very funny because it's a comedy. But I do think it's hammering into the way that we treat this time of year, and I think it's hammering into the system the system that we have created in general that we have to like keep feeding, keep feeding, keep feeding it basically ourselves. Mm-hmm. And the only way we'll get satisfaction out of it is if we like do that. Yeah. Which is not true. Yeah. So, poor Clark, man. Yeah, poor Clark. He always fucks up. <laughs> he always fucks up. I really did love Vegas Vacation as a kid, though. Oh, Vegas Vacation is great. great. Movie. And also, a very anti-capitalist message in Vegas Vacation, too. Sure. There's a lot of, like, anti-consumerist, anti-capitalist shit happening in those vacation movies. Because over and over again, this, like, big thing that they want to do gets destroyed. They put too much emphasis on the idea of, like, mm-hmm. this vacation. Yeah. This one vacation that they get as a and family. he's a gambling right? addict. Yeah, and he, then he turns into a gambling <laughs> addict. Yeah, exactly. So I think maybe the National Lampoon were trying to say something with the vacation movies. Maybe that'll be its own separate thing. Absolutely. <laughs> we also have Gremlins on the list. Fantastic film. Which is definitely one of the best films ever made. <laughs> <laughs> IMDb one sentence synopsis is a young man inadvertently breaks three important rules concerning his new pet and unleashes a horde of malevolently mischievous monsters on a small town. What I don't like about this synopsis is that it fails to include the fact that the dad bought it for him from an old Asian man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you're selling mugwai. Actually, right, he like shop. smuggled it from the old Asian man, right? Did he end up buying it from him? I can't I remember, remember that part, but. Yeah, he got it from this old Asian man who basically told him, like, be careful, don't fucking fuck with this thing. And then what they do, they fucking fuck with it. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so Gremlins, what happens in Gremlins is that, yes, the dad buys his kid this little creature, Mogwai. Yeah. <laughs> the Mogwai. He's like an alien? I'm not sure what they are. A cute little fuzzy guy. Yeah. But He's a Mogwai. But where'd he come from? That That's doesn't get explained. <laughs> Asia. He just came from the Asian continent. from Asia. Papua New Guinea, maybe. <laughs> maybe he came from Papua New Guinea. He's a fuzzy little guy. He's so cute. Very cute. He's so cute. And you're not supposed to feed him after midnight. Mm-hmm. Because if you feed him after midnight... Or get him wet. Or get him wet. He's going to spawn these ugly versions of himself who are evil. And they want to destroy everything. Yeah. And what does everybody do? They don't follow those rules. No. They're very simple rules to follow. And the gremlins are born. Mm-hmm. And they come out and they destroy the entire town. Yeah, they fuck everything up. Literally. And they kill two people, which yeah. nobody talks about. People die in this film. <laughs> nobody talks about how two people give their lives <laughs> in this film. They kill that old man, the snowplow driver, who's a drunk. I guess we're supposed to think he deserves it yeah, because he's a he drunk. Yeah, he shouldn't have been I such a drunk. Know. I don't know. It's very weird. You that's, did this to yourself. That setup is so weird. And he asks, the one person that he kills is like the Mr. Potter of the town, mm. which is an old lady banker. She uh, owns the bank. Good. And they kill her too. So, yeah, it's a very strange thing. I think Gremlins, I put in the notes that I love Gremlins because it's like, what if consumerism was a little monster <laughs> that threatened to destroy an entire town? And then they just did that. Yeah. How I many people the, do you think watch Gremlins and read into it as that? Probably none. It's just a little monster movie. Yeah, it's such an interesting reading of it. But the beginning of it starts with a transaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's what made me start thinking about it. I recently rewatched Gremlins last year. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't. I probably hadn't watched it for 20, 25 years maybe. And I loved it as a kid, and I, I don't really know why. I just love things about, like, little freaky creatures. Yeah, Which is why I love the Muppets, best. too. Yeah. But I loved it as a kid, and, and when I rewatched it, finally, I was like, wait a minute. These, this whole thing starts out because the dad made a purchase that he should not have made. Mm-hmm. He was warned not to make that purchase, and he did it anyway. And then everything fucking fucks up. Yeah. and Which is, like, the story of everything we do in this world. 
the fact that it's set during Christmas is also really yeah, funny. Yeah. Because it is the destruction of what we seem to hold dear, what we pretend to hold dear. Yeah. Destroys fucking everything. everything. The house, right? the town. Yeah. There's everything. nothing and, good left by the gremlins. And most importantly, where they do where they do the most of their destruction is in that department store. Yeah. Which is such an interesting thing when you think about it that they were like, okay, we're not, they're not going to go to everybody's individual homes and destroy them. Mm-hmm. They're going to go destroy the thing that is supposed to like kind of be part of the Christmas culture, yeah. buying and selling. Yeah. And that's what they did. And knowing what we know about Gremlins 2 yes. and that it is like a very overtly anti-capitalist, yes. anti-consumerist movie. They were trying movie. to get to it. Yeah. Gremlins 2 is like straight out there. Yeah. The original Gremlins is not like saying it straight up, but it's yeah, it's there. And it kind of makes me feel like I think there are people in the 80s. I, you know, I don't know about the people who made Gremlins, but I do think that there are people in the 80s who are making commercial art who recognize the problems of the like capitalism, the attitude towards capitalism of the 80s. And they were trying really hard to Kind of remove the curtain from people's eyes regarding that. I think the people that made Gremlins thought that. You think, I think so? I think so, okay. yeah. Yeah, I, I, like, it just it seems so... Almost when you when you watch it, and when I watch it now, it almost seems so on the nose, especially considering the second one. Mm-hmm. Like, they knew something was wrong. And like I said, they, they were just like, capitalism is a fucking monster. Mm-hmm. And it will destroy your families yeah. and kill people. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> And I think there's so much conversation about consumerism associated with Christmas, which as we talked about at the beginning of the episode, like there is no American Christmas without consumerism, but people will like lament the death of Christmas. They'll be like, oh, everything's about like commercialism now. And it's like, no, that's, that's what it's always been. So I think when you're criticizing the commercialization of Christmas, you're actually just criticizing commercialization more generally. generally, You're, You're criticizing the fact that we have to buy all this shit. We have to work all the time in order to buy the shit that we don't like. It's more of a, an all-encompassing criticism than like, man, I wish Christmas was the way it used to be. Well, it's like, <laughs> there is no way it used to be. It's always been this. So like... They're talking about when Jesus was born at yeah, the inn. Yeah, when he was born <laughs> back in like May or <laughs> April or June. And even then, people gave gifts. Yeah. Okay, but that was because, you know, supposedly he was a son of God. So mm-hmm. I guess that was a different thing. So you got to give him a little myrrh. <laughs> we're not all of the children of God. Yeah. I mean, we are, but we're not. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah. We are. <laughs> According to Christians. Yeah, we are. So yeah, I, I, I actually love Gremlins a lot. It's a good movie. And over the years now, over the last year, especially thinking about it, uh, it's become more dear to me. And I think everybody should watch Gremlins. If you haven't seen it, you should watch it. Yeah. Capitalism is a little monster. Mm -hmm. That's good. Okay, this next one's going to be controversial. People are going to be like, that's not a Christmas movie. But if y'all can say that Die Hard is a Christmas movie, then I'm including this one too. And it's Eyes Wide Shut. I just watched this yesterday. Yes. So this is fresh. This is fresh for Brendan. The IMDb one-sentence synopsis is... A Manhattan doctor embarks on a bizarre night-long odyssey after his wife's admission of unfulfilled longing. They're not wrong. And it's at Christmas time. Yes. Specifically, which I think is like a very particular choice on Kubrick's part. Yeah, Christmas is everywhere in this film. Yes, everywhere. Which is interesting because Christmas is, it's in the background of all of it, Mm -hmm. but it has nothing to do with Christmas. No. Until that very final scene. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think, though, that, like I said, that was a very particular and very important choice that Kubrick made. I think setting it at Christmas is meant to force us to make the connections that he's trying to make us make. Mm-hmm. Right? That sounded awful, but you guys know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I think, for me, this is probably, like, the most anti-capitalist, anti-consumerist movie on the list, even mm-hmm. though it's not directly a Christmas movie. It's literally about just consuming and consuming and consuming until your consumption becomes dangerous and deadly mm-hmm. to other people. That's what is happening in the film. Mm-hmm. And specifically it's happening with this elite group of men who keep killing girls. Yeah, they'll kill anyone. Like they just are killing women. And 
whether that is direct, whether they're directly doing it or not, it does not matter. It's the the idea that they are doing it over and over again. Mm-hmm. And also, we have Nicole Kidman's character who understands that, understands the idea that men can consume and consume and consume without like any dis- any regard for other human beings. And she also is like jealous and envious and wants to take part in that consumption mm-hmm. at the and, you know in the beginning at least. Like we're, I'm not saying that that's how it ends, but. Yeah, so what did you think, brother? You just watched it. Yeah, I found this movie to be quite fascinating. I remember seeing parts of it in 1999 when my parents like rented it from Blockbuster <laughs> and realized, knowing what I knew about culture at that time, I was like, I know I'm not supposed to be watching this movie with my parents. So I like left, left the room. Yeah. That's but, probably good that you yeah. left before the, the weird sex. Yeah, happened. there's like weird sex that's yeah. you know bordering on softcore porn at parts. But yeah, this movie is about consumption and it's about elites. Yes. And it is sort of juggling both of those ideas. So you could view this movie completely as a as like a class consciousness, class critique movie. I was explaining this last night to Karimi, is like giving my theories. One of them is that Tom Cruise's character, who is a wealthy doctor mm-hmm. who is adjacent to these elites. Is but not still exactly in there. Not there, right? Yeah. Who is immediately found out, even though he is wearing the exact same clothing as everybody else, they know he doesn't belong. They smelled the pour on him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like, it just shows you the levels of elite, right? You can try to pretend that you're part of this. And even if you're a wealthy doctor, you are not a At billionaire. The same level, no. You are not yeah, with them. Absolutely. You not. are essentially still serving them. Like he serves yeah. that that businessman guy by helping him with like that a woman who has an OD mm-hmm. in the beginning of the, the thing, mm-hmm. right? So you can read it that way, or you can read it as this like sexual consumption sort of thing. But I think it's probably both. It's probably both. Yeah, I think it's probably both. I think, you know, if you just look at Kubrick's filmmaking in general, you can see a thread of the system fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. You can watch all of his films and see that same thread is happening. I think obviously with this one in particular... Kubrick is showing how like capitalism has basically spilled over from the consumption of things to the consumption of each other. Mm-hmm. And it's awful. Yeah. Yeah, this weird sex cult, it also has these rituals associated with right. it. So they're in, like importing the idea of ritualization into their fucking of people. So, so it, it has seems like, more holy, but it's actually not. No, because then they totally just see, Yeah, you could totally see like the connections between Christmas. <laughs> it's so fucked mm-hmm. up because you can so clearly see the connections between Christmas and what is happening in the film that like we have this whole like really holy day and we've turned it into this fucking commercial nightmare. Mm-hmm. And then in the film we have this like, you know, what is essentially like this really... What could be translated, I'm not saying that it is, what could be translated as a really depraved thing and they turn it into a holy thing so mm-hmm. that they could keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it doesn't seem bad. Mm-hmm. And so it's like similar vibes there. Like the Christmas setting is so important to th- I don't think you can set this film in the middle of the summer. No, it felt totally right to be set during yeah. Christmas. And that final scene at the end when they're in the department store mm. and it just feels so hollow yes. and empty and all the kids are like freaking out, like looking at gifts and Tom Cruise is just like blank and Nicole Kidman is blank. Yeah. And that final line is great too. Yeah. And I'm not even sure how I would interpret it when she says like, we have to fuck or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Great film that displays the absurdity. I think I interpreted that as like, this this is the only thing that we have left that can make us feel something because Mm. everything has taken everything else out of us. Mm -hmm. But doing this very like primal human thing actually makes them, it's like the last thing that they have to make them feel anything Mm -hmm. because everything else is gone. Yeah. And so that's how I interpreted it. Yeah, there's a great like emptiness to the whole thing. There's a lot of opulence at the beginning. They go to this really fancy party and you know, they're clearly not interested in one another very much, but they're also not really interested in the opulence. They're more interested in potentially having sex with other people. Right. Yeah. The fanciness doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. And that's what I'm saying. I think that like, you know, your 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 desire, your like desire within this within our world shifts from like 
actual concrete things to those connections with people. Mm-hmm. Even if those connections are just carnal and yeah. like nothing else. But you're so desperate to feel something because the world has taken everything away from you. Mm. And you're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feel something if I fuck somebody. True. And that's kind of like where i guess like i'm sure kubrick like probably had that idea and that's where the whole movie came from because it's like fucking that's like that's the whole thing is like i'll feel something if i fuck somebody i'll feel something if i like consume somebody Mm -hmm. and that's it yeah yeah i don't know i love it i can't imagine this is controversially i have said that this is probably my favorite kubrick all right and i i I don't know i think it's good yeah pretty good movie yeah it's good Anyway. All right. Well, that that's the list. Yeah, that's the list. Um, Maybe we missed something. If we did, please let us know. Yeah. This is the last episode for, for, this for year. the year, for yeah. 2022. We're taking a little break, Ski. And uh, thanks for listening all year. For real. It's been 45 episodes. That's truly insane. That's almost the entire year. That's uh, pretty wild stuff, bro. That is pretty wild stuff. We will have a little trailer for our next season going up. The week after this episode is released. Dope. So look for that. All right. Sick. Thank y'all for listening. Thanks for being our brothers.